Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with guitarists from, uh, from many projects, but uh, it, most people know him from Trans Siberian Orchestra as, as well as so many other great, uh, great bands. Joel Holkstra is our very special guest. Joel, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on, Frank. Yeah, listen, thrilled to have you, and you're, you're part of a, a, a tradition. And, you know, whenever I, you know, spoke to you in the past, and I uh, spoke to uh, uh, Jeff Plate in the, in the past, the drummer, uh, it's, uh, it, it always amazes me to talk to, to people that are part of something that really could could live forever. I mean, the, the music of, uh, of TSO is, is something that's become a staple. I mean, the, the same way uh, White Christmas has or Jingle Bells has. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hipper version, but, uh, but TSO has become that tradition. It's got to be exciting. I got to be honest with you, man. That gives me chills to hear it. That's what we work for. We work so very hard for that. Uh, it's what Paul O'Neill intended for this. Um, you know, to be become a uh, part of some people's traditions, their their holiday traditions, and uh, I'm honored to be a small part of it, man. So thank you so much. I really that means a lot. Well, you're more than a small part of it. You're you're, you're dynamite. And uh, how, how many shows are you uh, planning on playing this season? Oh gosh, I don't have the the list in front of me, man. But I, it's got to be somewhere about 110. I would think it's over 100 shows. I forget how many cities we're in, but you know, it's we're going to hit the ground running. I, I call it the Marines of Rock. We they give us a couple of weeks of production rehearsals to make sure we're firing on all cylinders, and then uh, we want to sound at a hundred percent on our very first show with TSO. No kind of rounding into form type of thing <laughs> with this, you know. Uh, and then eight shows a week. Yeah, you know, we just we hit the ground running and work really really hard, but it's a labor of love all the way, brother. The audience. You know, you, you know anybody's out there and, and they're not driving. Um, you know, look look at a a, a video of Trans Siberian Orchestra. Look at the the crowd. You'll see like a ten year old sitting next to a you know seventy year old, and you know of course you got the the rock crowd in there. But uh, people go to your shows, uh, Joel. Uh, you know, as if they're going to you know a Broadway show or they're they're going to uh, you know a sporting event with their family. It, it becomes family affairs. And I, it, it really is a unique situation. I don't know any other rock situation that I could say is anything uh, anything close to this. I mean, I, do you have it, do you have any comps to this? It, do you have any comparisons? It speaks to Paul O'Neill's genius. It really does. He he had a vision of a hybrid of a lot of elements that I think on paper a lot of people would have said that will never work. <laughs> and here we are now celebrating our 20th anniversary, going out and packing arenas, multiple shows a day. It. I mean, it's unbelievable, but I, it's, I think it's the, the hybrid of having all those different elements together that, that brings all those people together, and there's just something, it might sound cliche, but there's something in it for everybody that comes to the show that they take away from it that they enjoyed. So um, it's neat, and as a performer, and I'm from the rock world, uh, it makes it even all the more unique because... Uh, I don't have the opportunity on the other gigs that I do to step down off of the stage like we do in Trans-Siberian Orchestra and go down and play your instrument in, you know, in keeping in mind that you're in a packed arena at this moment, but they're like a foot away from a 10 year old boy. And all of a sudden that changes his whole life. He wants to play guitar and he, and he becomes obsessed with it. This is something now I'm in my ninth year that's happened. 
you change you change kids' lives in there just with these these little impactful moments, and uh, it's neat. It's special. That's something that I don't have the uh, opportunity to do uh, on my other gigs. That um, I like I said, unique and, and special. Yeah. Well, let me let me just remind folks right here who uh, who they're listening to. If you're just tuning in or turning on your radios a little bit late, you're listening to guitarist uh, Joel Holkstra, and we're talking about Trans Siberian Orchestra. But you know uh, his work from Night Ranger and, and White Snake and and so many other great projects and Rock of Ages. I'm I'm sure I saw you in Rock of Ages. You were you were there for a while, right? You were at. Uh, I was the guitar player for the entire run off Broadway and Broadway, so over six years. The entire time it ran in New York City, basically, because that for me that was a gig to do at home, and that was the beauty of it. Um, the hitch being is that I subbed out when I needed to do other things. So when I toured with China Siberian Orchestra, for instance, uh, I took off of Rock of Ages that November and December to be able to do that. And uh, thankfully, uh, being the type of gig it is with theater, they were cool with that, and that made it all the more a godsend because it just sort of filled in my schedule every single day I was home. I had a cool gig. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Paul O'Neill a couple times. Of course, the late great Paul O'Neill, uh, a genius and visionary behind Trans Siberian Orchestra, which has uh, created a uh, an annual, uh, more than an ongoing and evergreen uh, product. Uh, Joel's part of that, and and of course Jeff Plate we've had on the on the show, and uh, you, you have to be a great musician to be involved in this, and it is uh, it, it is one of a kind. And especially around Christmas time, uh, you know, Carolyn of the uh, Carol of the Bells uh, was there was never a better version <laughs> before uh, before uh, Paul Neal got to it and, and Trans Siberian Orchestra got to it. And really, Joel, it was a it, it was a commercial, right? Wasn't there a, a, a TV commercial that really broke things out? Am, am I misremembering that, or was there a, a like a well, yeah, I mean, I, look, I think there was a lot of commercial success just releasing uh, um, Christmas Eve and other stories that really broke things open. And um, that in particular, touring-wise, when they toured that, that story was what laid the foundation and the tradition for people to come every year. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, gosh, I don't even know how many records have been sold by now, but everything's multi-platinum and just, I mean, it, it, again, we sit on the bus on these tours and we'll get done with a day where we played for, you know, say it's the Q Arena in Cleveland or whatever, and we just played two sold-out shows, and we'll just be sitting there looking at each other, shaking our heads, going, "I can't believe," because uh, we actually enjoy it, and uh, to be able to do something that you enjoy doing, that's cool, and uh, with people that you enjoy. I mean, these guys in the band are my best friends now. Over the years, you get tight, you know, you spend the holidays together, and uh, so it just feels amazing to be uh, have the opportunity. And again, it's like on paper. Or would would you have thought that this would become what it would become? I think people thought no way, but uh, it it just makes it all the cooler that uh, it's worked out the way it has. How much different is the show that you're you're preparing now, well, that you're that you're doing right, performing now, uh, as as opposed to what uh, was done in the past? How much uh, how much are the differences? Well, this is uh, the Ghost of Christmas Eve, which now has been running since uh, 2015 was the first year. So the the front half is the story. So the second half, of course, always gets changed up and there's different music. And, um, and of course, the production is always changing, always. Every year is like, how can we make it bigger? How can we make it better? How can we keep, you know, pique people's interest? And uh, so obviously people can expect an all new 
production and all new stage and uh, the front half of the story will have an element of familiarity. But uh, man, I'll tell you what, honestly, management showed me a preview of the stage and <laughs> the production this year. And you've been, so you get, you understand the kind of level I'm talking yeah. about of the production yes. of this thing. But this one that is about to happen this year is going to blow your mind. I, it's, it's unbelievable. Like I couldn't believe what they were showing me. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, to be a performer and get the opportunity to perform on this stage, um, it, it's something special, man. We, we, we all kind of collectively set aside our individual things. You can almost use a sporting analogy for it because it all becomes about the team. It all becomes about the show with this and about Trans-Siberian Orchestra itself and Paul O'Neill's vision. And uh, it's not about uh, my name or anybody else's name. It's about that. And we all, we've all been able to do that. And uh, it's, our, it's our dream to continue the success and push it to new heights. That's coming from a guy who plays in, in White Snake and has played in Night Ranger and so many big projects and, and of course, been on Broadway. Uh, JoelHoekstra.com is where you should go and, and kind of follow what uh, what he's doing with his career. It'll it'll make your head spin. He's uh, He's got a resume a mile long. Uh, great musician, great player in and, and, and every sense of the, uh, the word. And uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is our focus today. Uh, Joel, give us a little bit of your history, if you don't mind. And again, Joel Hoekstra, if you're just joining us with me, Frank McKay. Uh, give us a little bit of your, your personal history again. Um, where, where did it all start for you? Where were you born? Where were you raised? So technically born in Iowa City, Iowa, but I believe I was about six months old when my parents moved to the burbs of Chicago. Uh, so raised, not technically born, but raised in Orland Park, Illinois, um, and just had uh, classical musicians for parents. So they had me going at a young age, cello at the age of three and piano at the age of seven. And I was like uh, a lot of little boys didn't really take to it. I just wanted to play baseball. And <laughs> that was that was kind of my dream then. Uh, but at the age of 11, I heard ACDC back in black and uh, that everything kind of changed for me. And I went to my parents and said, I, I, I want a guitar. I want to play guitar. And I think they thought, oh, great. And they pictured Segovia and thought, oh, excellent. Maybe you'll be the next Julian Bream. And. Uh, they didn't know I wanted to be the next Angus Young, um, but that's uh, that's 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 kind of what got me rolling, and uh, really uh, just a, a heavy love for the hard rock and, and heavy metal as a kid, and then uh, just ever since then my musical taste has kind of branched out, and it's not really so much about that as as much as people would think, as much as just I enjoy music, and the opportunity to play music and just be a musician. That that's kind of more what it's about for me than specifically heavy metal. Your first live performance, was it some kind of battle of the bands or talent show or something? What was that? Yeah, yeah. That's what you really did your research. So yeah, my first, my first gig was, my band was called Outcry and uh, we played at the drummers high school talent show. And I was so nervous. I remember I couldn't move my feet, like, at all. They were just, like, bolted to the stage. <laughs> I mean, if you cemented them to the ground, that would uh, they, they wouldn't have been any more stuck than they felt, at least. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how things got rolling. And, and that was, I think, the era I grew up in, I just kind of missed the heyday of bands in Chicago, like Styx, coming up through the 70s, where the drinking age was 18, and guys like that were playing bars three, four nights a week, and um, I kind of missed that, but I still had the opportunity to gig every couple of weeks with that band, 
Yeah. So the scene was still good and strong, and that gave us an opportunity to rehearse and have a goal. Like to, we'd fly her everywhere and all that whole thing to get people out to your show, and uh, everything. Everything just kind of followed that path early going in the Chicago thing, playing in the the local hard rock music scene and and uh taking rock lessons and then i just kind of switched over to uh classical lessons when i started college and studied that for a couple of years pretty heavily you, uh, so i don't know how far you want me to get into no, the history I'm, here i well, mean it, I, I, know, I it, think it's great and and i think i think uh just another reminder joelholkstra.com is where everyone can go and and check out joel's uh website uh talking about trans-siberian orchestra here and with the uh, guitars from that uh great uh, band project uh entity at this point i don't even know what what you call trans-siberian orchestra it's it's uh it's understating it to call it a band because it's become part of the fabric of uh, of american uh pop culture and Christmas tradition and and people are, are treating this uh, the same way they would treat uh, going to um, I, you know going to Radio City Music Hall to see the Rockettes on a Christmas show it's just a much cooler version of of that and uh, it's, it's just a, a completely different thing out of the mind of Paul O'Neill the late great Paul O'Neill and you knew his work from Sabotage and, and, and of course he created something here that I, I think could go on forever and uh, Joel's a, a big part of that thrilled to have him frank mckay here with tso's uh joel holkstra uh, let me let me get back into it you you referenced uh angus young uh growing up and and really got kind of kick-starting where um where you, where you took the interest and you got the guitar there, there's uh there's probably very few people that would that would compare you to angus young at this point, I mean, you got, you know, you have a very, and again, by, by, that's with all due respect to Angus Young, you have a very sophisticated style, and you, you mentioned in college, you got into classical and everything else, but who in the, in the rock world did you, uh, did you turn on to after Angus Young? I mean, was it the, the Van Halens and the Randy Rhodes, those type of folks? It's a really long list, to be honest with you, man. I grew up in the era of all the all the great instrumental rock players coming along. Uh, so those are kind of the only guys that I would specifically reference as guitar players, like kind of the uh, Eddie Van Halen, Ingve Malmsteen, uh, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Steve Morse, all big influences and guys that I, I grew up listening to their albums. But I honestly listen to a lot of just bands. And when people ask me my influence, I usually name bands first yeah. um, because that was more of my preference uh, I loved all the proficient guitar players but not necessarily my dream to uh, release the instrumental albums and things like that um, I did release some of those but uh, I don't know that that was always my intended path in life like I I think my big love was always songs too yeah. Um, I guess classic rock bands, Zeppelin, Floyd, Hend Jimi Hendrix, obviously as a solo artist, but um, uh, I love bands like that. Love the, the progressive bands like Yes and Rush. Rush was probably my favorite band of all time. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, definitely the, the hard rock, heavy metal, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Iron Maiden, Scorpions. That stuff was all really big for me. Uh, growing up, and also more melodic bands just off that that weren't quite as heavy, like Boston, uh, Journey, Foreigner, all big influences on me. So 
I, well, I was definitely always could appreciate all the guitar players like the, that I talked about, the Malmsteins and the Vise that had the great chops and everything. I, there was always a side of me that just loved the songs, too. And uh, that kind of continues to this day. So it's, I don't necessarily um, enjoy myself any more playing a flashy solo than I do just playing a simple part. I just like music that is played on a high level with great musicians and uh, with good people, positive people. Yeah, well, it's cool not to have any anything to prove. I mean, you've proven it over the years. JoelHoekstra.com is where everyone should go as a starting point. Uh, talking to uh, TSO's uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra's Joel Hoekstra, wonderful guitarist. And again, you know his work from White Snake and Night Ranger and so much more than that. Frank McKay here with Joel Hoekstra. And again, JoelHoekstra.com. Uh, let me let me ask you, what was your, your first uh, extended uh, professional gig? What was the, your first big break, if you want to call it that? Mm, yeah, okay. Well, I guess, I mean, if I picked it up time-wise from when I studied classical and then I went to GIT in Hollywood and worked at Cherokee Studios out there for a year, when I came back to Chicago, I taught real heavily for a while. Uh, I was teaching like 70 students a week, and I got played with uh, J- in the house band for Jim Peterick's World Stage, which uh, Jim Peterick was Survivor. from, uh, founded Survivor and the Ides of March. Great songwriter, yeah. amazing amazing guy and so that was a break that i didn't know it yet i mean it because it only amounted to a couple of shows a year a show or two a year but it took it took off later and which i'll explain for you down the road but i should also mention i gigged with a girl um in town kathy richardson and she had her own music and did quite well uh playing her own music locally there and so that was a in a, in a sense at that time a big break for me as well playing in like a big local band and then uh from there I, Kathy got a gig singing as Janis Joplin in the show Love Janis. Um, so that ended up opening in New York, and I, so I moved to New York uh, to do that show as the guitar player in the band. And so that was my first kind of big break of like, all you're going to do is gig and, and not supplement it with teaching at all. So and I, it's it's hard for me to summa, summarize all this because my career is a series of like smaller breaks that um, – that add up. And then at that time, while I was in New York, uh, through that, I started gigging in the oldie scene with Big Brother and the Holding Company and also with the Turtles. Uh, so that was also considered a break for me. I was playing, you know, those that don't know the, the Turtles, that's the song Happy Together. And yep. I was there. I actually uh, first started out with them on bass. I was So there was a time where I was the bass player in the Turtles. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, just like the craziest. I have a lot of crazy but stories great, in terms of my, my path. That's a great gig. I mean, Absolutely. No, that was great in that those guys taught me how to be a pro, how to do a fly date and how to make myself valuable without being able to fall back on guitar chops. So I needed to learn how to make myself somebody that they wanted on the gig in that I had a good personality and that I did I sang good background vocals and that I learned the parts and I was responsible and on time and all that stuff. And that, those are important lessons to learn. A lot of great guitar players can't get past themselves enough to take a gig like that. <laughs> like they just want it to be about them showing off or whatever. And so uh, that was a great opportunity for me. And so in that time of gigging with them um, and traveling around with Love Janice after that had closed in New York, and uh, I, I ended up through Jim Peters' World Stage getting the opportunity to gig with Night Ranger. Um, and that was a big break for me. They needed They needed somebody to fill in. 
And Kelly always used to sing. Uh, he was one of the guest artists on the Jim Peterick concerts. So he'd known me for years, but only seeing me like once a year or something like that. So they needed to either cancel a show or find somebody crazy enough like me who was doing it for those Peterick shows to learn 25, 30 songs and get up and play a gig on no rehearsals under uh, you know intense scrutiny and high pressure and all that. So I did that with Night Ranger and got the gig and uh, that began a path of the more higher higher profile stuff. I mean, I don't want to sound self-important, but that's kind of when people started to know me in the hard rock scene. And then from there really came the Broadway gig, getting that Rock of Ages show, uh, which le- uh, doing pit stuff led to that. I was uh, playing pit gigs in New York City, and that, that led to um, getting the Rock of Ages gig. And from there, I got Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So at that, there was a time where I was juggling all three, doing Night Ranger and Rock of Ages and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And that was a wonderful period. And then from there, uh, I got Whitesnake. And then it became, for a period in time, uh, really Rock of Ages closed. So it became Whitesnake and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And now just recently, the last year and a half, I've added Cher into the mix. I subbed on that gig, and that kind of became a full-time situation. So, yeah, I've been uh, really now for the last year and a half juggling Whitesnake, um, share in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. But again, this is, I, I, I really can't uh, stress enough, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is a very special thing to me. So um, that, that that time period is, is, is special and it's yeah. all, all set aside for it. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. JoelHogstra.com is where everyone should go. Frank McKay here with uh, Joel Hoekstra. Frank McKay with Joel Hoekstra. You know his work from White Snake and uh, now Cher and, and Night Ranger and, and the Turtles. Stra- I, boy, that's, that's a strange one thrown in there, but that was a great gig. And Yeah, I know. That, that's usually one that freaks people out when they see me with the, the long hair doing the hard rock gigs. And, yeah. But again, people take different paths to uh, get where you, you need to go. And I really any youngsters that that are listening, younger musicians that want to know how you do it, that's really how it's done. You don't go from your parents' basement to being in U2, yeah. so to speak. I mean, they, they're not, they're not going to hire somebody who doesn't have very similar experiences, who knows the set of circumstances and understands how to do everything. So you, you just take a lot of small steps to get where you want to get to. And that every step seemed for me to happen through hard work. So uh, a lot of people get into music as for the party end of it. They think that it's a way to avoid responsibility. But really, in the end, if, if you're going to have a good music career, you almost have to have more responsibility than your average worker because it's the profession is that much harder to crack and make a living in. So, um, you know, that's good advice for any kids listening or, or even any uh, – even slightly younger struggling musicians that want, would want advice. My advice is always to try not work everybody around you. Yeah, I, I mean, when you when you get into something like a Trans Siberian Orchestra, and you say you you basically describe the guys now as uh, as or I should say the folks uh, involved uh, are are like family basically. I mean, it's your family at this point, and and you you go back each and every year. You do this, and it's a tradition for for families themselves. But nobody there is like you know in their first gig. I mean, these are these are seasoned musicians, and you just you just read off and uh, you know just a little earlier a, a resume that's just unbelievable. And when you add share to to a uh, to a, a set of credentials like that, I mean, I, you know, really, I mean, it, it, I you got to think like, well, what else is there? Is there 
a, uh, and again, before you answer, joelholkstra.com is where everyone should go. I'm talking to Joel from uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra and, and so much more. Uh, Frank McKay here with Joel. But is there, is there anything on your list? Is there anybody, and I'm sure there are tons of people you'd like to play with that you haven't played with, but is there anything you're working towards that you could either share or you can't share yet, but you're getting close to it? I mean, it's, uh, you know, at this point, I guess, uh, you can uh, cherry pick. I just, one. I have... Just making music on a high level, man, with with great musicians who are good people, positive people. That's really the goal, and to be able to make a good living. And I'm a family man. I have kids, and just to be able to be a good dad to them and and raise them uh, the right way, and be able to make a living for them doing what I love. That that's kind of the name of the game for me. Not necessarily the owning a mansion and the Ferraris or whatever. Yeah. You know, the the old school rock dream, right? It, so. I mean, if I can do that, I'm going to be a happy man. And uh, the thing I've learned is you can't ever really plan out where it's all going to take you. Like I, I said, yeah, I mean, you even remarked, I mean, it's a strange path. When when I talk about, tell people I gigged with the Turtles or um, that I've, I've, in my day, I've actually played in wedding bands or things like that. People are like, what? Like, they think, you know, must have been straight to the hard rock thing. Like, you just did that in your basement until you got your break with that. But um not not really the way it works. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't really plan. You you can only work hard at every situation that life presents for you and try and do your best at it. And uh, for me, I've never turned my nose up at anything. If, if I have an opportunity to play and I'm free and I have an opportunity to do it, it's something that I uh, value. Like I said, it always comes down to just the high-level people and, and a lot of times just good people. And uh, you want to be around people like that because they're going to raise you up. You don't want to be around people that are going to drag you down in life, right? So you try and um, just focus on the positive. It's, uh, I think there's a, a strange analogy of a race car driver, right? You, you only hit the wall if you're looking at the wall. <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if you're always kind of looking at the road in front of you, that's what direction you go. So I like, I like doing that in terms of who I work with, just people that are all kind of staying on that road and staying on the track. And um, Anyway, that that is a very important thing that people tend to overlook. But just to, just spending time around people with positive attitudes is a, a very helpful thing. Oh, no, no argument here. Again, Frank McKay with uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra's Joel Hogstra. Go to joelhogstra dot com. You know, you mentioned you know a kid in his garage thinking, uh, "Hey, I'm going to you know join you uh, you two and whatever." And uh, and you know it doesn't really happen that way. But the the fact of the matter is, probably a lot of kids in their garage, if they're you know they're you know, not as many as as when you were growing up or I was growing up, um, thinking thinking that uh, hey, I'm gonna take this band of mine and and these same four guys I'm with are gonna go on and we're gonna become Night Ranger, we're gonna become White Snake or whatever. There, there's less of that, and you kind of laid out for folks and and if people look at your resume, uh, you know, kids that are trying to make it there, uh, what what you've done is uh you know and, and what you've just said right here is is a blueprint it's a difficult it's a lot of hard work uh to get there but there's some teaching mixed in there there's some you know janice joplin's old band in there and there's some you know you get to broadway i mean that's a big huge deal and a lot of people just uh, die there which is a nice place to die i mean uh, just to stay on broadway all the, the rest of their life they make a nice living and then it's a it's a great yeah career. absolutely that look there's there's a lot of great musicians and those are coveted gigs here in town in new york city to have uh the pit gigs and, and play that kind of uh, stuff. So, yeah, as I said, I don't turn my nose up at any of it. If it's an opportunity to, to get paid to, 
get better on your instrument in the end i'm in the i'm in it to be a musician not necessarily a rock star quote unquote uh you know look I, i'm not going to say no to that either i'm not foolish <laughs> that's great but i i admire professional musicians there's i think that's the hardest thing to get to i get a lot of guys that are doing well uh playing in tribute bands and things like that that write me and i say man you don't understand we're on the same level i said the only difference is i said there's there's maybe some more people at my at the gigs i'm doing but it, to get to be in a pro that's the hard thing to get to the point where you're see you're paying your bills and and raising a family or whatever and and you're just a musician that's a that's amazing to get to that point it's really hard yeah i mean listen there's uh, no doubt about it uh as far as tso goes uh is there any contingency plan for you know, I don't know. And, and again, I asked this because uh, Paul O'Neill was such a uh, uh, visionary and, and you guys that are, uh, that are keeping the flame alive by doing what you're doing. Is there a contingency plan for the future? Is there like a, a plan where Trans-Siberian Orchestra is going to do this 20 years from now or this 10 years? How, how far in advance is, uh, are things planned out for a Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Uh, I... I... I don't really know 100%, but I tend to think it's just a year-to-year thing. And, and uh, Paul did a great job of putting in place a team of people that he respected. And he was very loyal and uh, very good about keeping those people in place. So thankfully, we got a great team where everybody knows how to do this. Our management is awesome. Uh, Adam Lind and Kenny Kaplan and, and our tour director, Elliot Salzman, those guys are all just the best in the business at what they do and in working uh, with our music team, Al Petrelli and Derek Wheeland, our music directors do an amazing job of, um, you know, keeping Paul's vision on that stage in terms of the, the grand scheme of things musically uh, every year. Uh, all these people are, are, are steering the ship. I kind of, um, I play, I play the parts and I'm happy to be on the ship, um, but they'd be the ones to really talk to about what the, 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 the plan is for down the road. And, and of course, Paul O'Neill's family uh, is a very important part of uh, the future at TSO. But I, I'm, I think everybody's on the same page. That we'd love to see it become a tradition. That was Paul's dream, and we want nothing more than to make him proud. Yeah, I, I can imagine that that family has to be very proud of what uh, what you guys have all uh, sustained and what Paul developed in his mind. Uh, it's a great mind, Paul O'Neill, uh, the the late great founder of Trans Siberian Orchestra. Frank McKay here with uh, guitarist extraordinaire uh, Joel Holkstra, and if you go to joelholkstra.com, uh, you could uh, kind of use it as a starting point. And actually, what will they see if they go there, Joel? Uh, what uh, I, what do you, what do you have there? Do you have everything from uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra to to share to White Snake. I mean, do you have uh, everything that you're doing there as a layout of your? Yeah, unit? just there's there's obviously my bio and anybody that I've had the opportunity to play with, and there's samples of my music and links to buying the the three instrumental albums that I released and the side project album that I released and my discography, so people can see what White Snake albums and all that stuff and our Night Ranger albums that I was a part of and uh, yeah, there's all the videos and photos that I've been a part of and uh, things like that. So yeah, it's, uh, there's there's plenty to poke around and see. David Coverdale calls it the Encyclopedia Britannica of me. <laughs> he, he, he laughed when he went to my website the first time because I had just so much on there. That's great. Uh, are your kids musical? Uh, so far, they're young yet, but uh, they definitely have a natural uh, affinity for it and something I'm going to just try and grow as much as I can, but not also not 
pressure them into it. Uh, just my message, like I said, is mainly to teach them to, to work hard. I was trying to say what I would try to inspire youngsters out there. Work work hard at whatever it is you want to do, and you can achieve great things. And uh, the other thing is, I think, a very simple lesson in life, but what you put out, you get back. So oh. trying to teach them to always try and do the right thing, because then other people will do the right thing with them. So, Are they old enough to, to get who you are and what you do for a living? Uh, my daughter's not yet. My son kind of gets into it. He's, he's, he's old enough to start. He's to begin thinking some of it's pretty cool. And he's been coming since he was an infant. So he, that's all he's ever really known in terms of, uh, seeing me doing my thing. But yeah, I think there's a side of him that thinks it's really cool. Well, listen, Joel Hoekstra from Trans-Siberian Orchestra has been our very special guest. I, I keep giving joelhoekstra.com. I guess that's a good starting point. Is there another website or a social media site that you want to share with us? That Thankfully, I have all the links up on the .com right there, but you might want to spell my last name because my last name is brutal. You could right. do that for everybody, <laughs> or I could do it right now, yeah, but it's uh, H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A. So H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A, Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel Hoekstra.com.